listener production. Okay, are you recording? Hello and welcome to episode five of the Howie Games. Today, something just a little bit different. Our subject isn't an athlete, but a commentator. And for mine, there's none better in the business than this man, Dennis Cometti. Sorry to interrupt, Dad. Pickle here. Can't wait for the old Denny Cometti's podcast. Me too, Pickle. Old Cometti is a much better commentator than Daddy. Come on, Penguin, you can't say that. Daddy is our Daddy. You know me, Pickle, I only deal in facts. Dennis is centimetre perfect, and our daddy's far from perfect. Ease up, you two. Just get on with it. Okay, Daddy. Now, brothers and sisters out there in podcast land, we need you to spread the love about the Howie Games. Subscribe to us, rate us on iTunes, tweet about us, blow us up on Facebook, away on Snapchat, Pickle. No, Penguin. YouTube? No. Instagram? No. Pinterest? Papa. Tinder? Definitely not, Penguin. We have to get more active in the social media space, Pickle. Dad's living in the 2000s. Just get the word out there. Don't think, don't hope, just do. Do something. Nice quote, Pickle. Please help our poor old daddy fish. We've got the product. Now we just need to get it out there. Help, please. Me and Pengy want to be famous. Like Kim Kardashian. Or Kanye. Or Tiger Woods. Not like Tiger Pengy. Thank you, Pickle. Thank you, Penguin. Possibly getting a little bit too big for your boot shoe too. But anyway, Dennis Cometti. Most people think of Dennis as an elite sporting commentator. A lot of people won't realise he was a very good footballer in his own right. He was a successful coach. But above all that, in his day, he was a cutting-edge top 40 radio DJ that played all the rudest tunes in some very, very rude clothes as well, which he does discuss in this episode of the Howie Games. I first came across Dennis quite a while ago. We worked together at Channel 7. He was the legend that he is, and I was probably making the coffee, so I was far too shy to speak to him. But in the last couple of years, I've had the great pleasure, and it is a pleasure to work with him at Triple M Football. Dennis is a very self-deprecating man. He doesn't take himself too seriously at all. He's a lot taller than you think. And a conversation with Dennis, it flows in all sorts of areas. He does touch on footy and sport, but he loves to talk about music, in which he's got very, very eclectic tastes, as well as fashion and and travel. He's fascinated with travel. Dennis is getting set to call his last AFL Grand Final. Gee, footy's going to be different without him. It won't have the same wit or humour. He's a brilliant commentator. He's one of those men that seems to have the rare ability to match a perfect sporting moment with a perfect sporting comment. Ladies and gentlemen, the great, great Dennis Cometti. Oh my Jaja, tell me why won't they open up their eyes They could help out if they try, try, try If they would try, try, try Well, it's a great pleasure to come to a very nice hotel in Melbourne to sit opposite uh, you, Dan. How are you? I'm good, Howie. Welcome, very good. Welcome to the Howie Games. I was struggling to come up with a name. Howie Games. The Howie Games. Well, I was sitting on the surfboard yesterday thinking, wow, I've got, I've got to present a name here, and you being first cab <laughs> off the rank. So it's the Howie Games. I like it. With Mark Howard. Okay. Sort of half Hunger Games, half the Olympic Games. Half War Games. Half War Games. Yes. I, I was thinking about this, Dan, and it's a, it's a great pleasure to sit down 
and have a chat with you. And I thought the best way to start this type of thing is I could explain who you are or what you do. But if we're in a pub and someone comes up to Dennis Comedian and says, oh, good day, Dennis, what do you do? Mm. What's the answer? Broadcast. Broadcast. I broadcast, yes, and try to have a good time. And travel. Travel. So where did all this start, Dan? I, I hear the name Comedian to me. It's got... Italian intonations. You just relax. This is, you know, I think this is the great thing about a podcast, Dan. It's, it's like we're sitting here in a pub and we're just having a chat. And the bloke said, you're so comedy. What, what's that all about? And you've got in the yoga position. Well, I haven't. I've got on shoes the chair. on. I followed your lead because you haven't got your shoes on either. Uh, no, but you're cross-legged on the seat. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, it's sort of Italian. It is Italian on one half, but uh, never thought of myself as an Italian growing up because it was the granddad who came out when he was 20. Yep. Actually, he came to Perth and he walked to Mekathara, which is about then 400 miles, still is, but in case. But uh, nothing on my mother's side. She was English-French. Right. So when I was racially abused during footy matches because <laughs> of the surname, I'd look around to see who they were talking to. It was <laughs> a bit like that. You know, I didn't go to a Catholic school, so as a result... Uh, but the Italian thing is uh, something my son's embraced. He likes it. And I think it's become cool to be Italian and ethnic, and he sort of lives that that lifestyle and image to a certain extent. You know, right. He looks Italian, yep. where his father doesn't. We'll get to him later. He's, he's a big wrestling star in America. No, yeah. we don't need to get to him. Uh, he, well, unless you want to, you know, but briefly. He's a wrestler. He, yeah, he's a professional wrestler in America. Professional in inverted commas because uh, I think Dad's still subsidising him a fair bit. <laughs> he went there to ensure my superannuation and uh, we're far from that. Subsidising, I like that. So so the committees, the, the Italians, they come out here and your, your mum's side is a is boy, English-French type Yes, of? it is, yes. Um... Interesting because I did one of those Who Do You Think You Are shows oh, going SBS. back. Yeah, go, going back. Uh, that was uh, the first series. I was the token West Australian. Right. And uh, I thought it would be more interesting on the Italian side, so we went back to Italy. It was interesting, but the interest really lay on my mother's side because uh, my great-great-grandmother actually had a very dodgy past and uh, was linked to two killings. I got on my... I D- got directly linked? Directly linked, yes. And uh, she was described actually on my wiki page as a mass murderer. <laughs> now, even I took exception to that and went in and changed it to serial killer. <laughs> what, what's well, the, I, how many's mass? What, what type well, of numbers? It's, it's war crimes and stuff. That's what I think. I think, you know, like Extreme. she was a little old lady. Uh, but hard times, you know, hard times. So a couple of husbands hit the dust apparently. Now, that's no skin off my nose. People said, are you sure you want that in the program? Do you want to continue? Well... Yep. You know, not my problem. Well, you can't control what no, you, you those can't. Before, you can't. You? I mean, it's nothing to laugh about. But at the same time, we are laughing how they are. But we, we don't mean it like it's a real laugh. Uh, but uh, no, it was uh, it was fun to do, and and a lot of drama on that side. In fact, there were three convicts and a free man that sort of worked it out that uh, right. were on that side that became the mother's part of the family. It was funny too because people have heard me. This this is an ironic story. People have heard me. Talk about, waft on about Bob Johnson, my football hero. Gets a lot of publicity, Bob. Gets more publicity than when he played. He does. He'd be pleased. He's passed away. But anyway, what they've got are remarkable records. And I was stunned by how good the paper records were from those days, particularly on the English side. Yep. And they could take you back to my great, 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 great grandmother. And uh, she actually went to court. And uh, she was facing a problem, obviously, in the Old Bailey, regarding money taken off a bloke, sort of uh, in an alehouse. Right. So, so, so how long are we talking? What, what sort well, of? Well, we're we're talking. She came out as one of the first convicts, so right. we, we're going a long way back. Okay. So, so anyway, uh, they've got 
the conversation they had, the judge and uh, her and the policeman on the watch, uh, verbatim, word for word. And uh, it goes backwards and forwards, and this guy was complaining about how she sort of uh, sat on him and then sort of uh, they were in a bar and started feeling around his person and uh, suddenly her hands were in his pantaloons. Pantaloons. Uh, pantaloons and uh, his name was Bob Johnson. Uh, so life mirrors art. <laughs> but how's that? <laughs> And he's been one of your great projects, Bob Johnson. When I read about that, I thought, well, that is meant to be. So did you grow up, were you fascinated with sport as a young bloke? I know there's a lot of other things in your life that I can't wait to have a chat with you about. Was sport a big part growing up in, was it in Perth? Yeah, it was central. I I was an only child, so I think uh, only children sort of uh, like their sport. They find ways to sort of incorporate it into their life. Like uh, I remember Doug Walters and Bradman and Kometi throwing a ball (laughs) against a wall with a bat and all of that with cricket and footy, sort of even developing your own game. You'd be sitting on the floor carpet or what have you, and you'd be playing a game like they do now, only far more primitive. Did you commentate those games? I did. I did, as a matter of fact. So, uh, you know, sort of at seven and eight, I was uh, uh, very parochial because I barracked for East Fremantle, and I think during my uh, growing up period of about a decade, East Fremantle never lost a game. But be that as it may, uh, yeah, they, they were commentated. So if you go on from there, and excuse me for occasionally looking at the recorder because I'm still a bit nervous about the no, equipment. Be. I know I've, I, I can recall back in the seven days sitting with a great Cameron whose name I won't mention and we got halfway through an interview with the Olympic champion Marion Jones. It was a big name. Yeah, yes, very <laughs> and big. And he said, oh, mate, we're not recording. So oh. I'm, just, I don't, I'm oh. sure you've had these situations. Absolutely. And I, I don't want it to occur with you. So, what, I, what, I had an identical one. But with? Uh, well, remember, I can't remember his question. Ray Phillips, the wicketkeeper oh, from yeah. Queensland, yeah, his first test match. Right. I interviewed him and did sort of... Did you wear glasses? Uh, I think he did. Right, OK. Uh, and then I sort of uh, went back to the ABC. I was working at the ABC at the time, same thing as you. No sound. And what do you say to the boss at that point? Uh, oh, does it really need an interview? <laughs> <laughs> that's only just, major, uh, but I had Marion Jones, mate, and it oh, needed right, an interview. That, that's what upmanship. Uh, <laughs> so your first organised sport, was, yes. it, was it cricket or was it footy or was it a, another form of – probably uh, wasn't too many other choices in WA at that point. Well, I don't think cricket was as well organised as, say, footy in those days. So footy was the obvious one. It was the easiest one for people to organise too. It didn't require the amount of time that cricket did. Uh, so you'd get your game out of the way pretty early on a Saturday morning and just went through the various grades. So there were football clubs and you went down there and depending on your age, that's where you played. So, uh, no, it was footy. Didn't play much sort of organised cricket but enjoyed my cricket and uh, even horse racing. I used to follow the racing, you know, as well. Those sort of days were different, though, because there wasn't this influx of overseas sport. I mean, now we're swamped with overseas sport. In those days, we weren't even swamped with Eastern States or South Australian sport. Yeah, it was right. very much your own. And when it came to league football, it was just the inter-suburban rivalries. And long may they reign because they were terrific. I mean, uh, I didn't know any better, but when I look back, it was as good as anything I've known. So the, the interest in footy from reading the aforementioned Wikipedia page where she wasn't a mass murderer, she was just involved in a couple uh, of... And when, you, and when you ring up and say, I'd like to get into my Wikipedia page too, that in itself is not a good look, is it? You know, because they think you're going to give yourself a couple of brown lows. Best commentator <laughs> in the history of, of sport. All of that. But you were just wanting to get rid of a situation with well, your great, no, great, get great. rid of is not right, Howie. I was just going to, I was going to adjust it to what I thought was fair. Okay. So you're a fair footballer. I tell us, you, you played, you got to a level where you were playing for West Perth? Yeah, I played for West Perth. So yeah. where'd you play? Were you a, you a tall unit? Uh, sort of uh, Ruckman forward, centre forward, you know, sort of... Uh, no, I, I actually... 
it it should have gone better, but uh, I, I went down there when I was uh, pretty young, and uh, no, things were looking rosy as a footballer, but my father, I was, I was an only child, my father died at the beginning of my third season. The first season I went down there, I played half the season in the seniors. Uh, the first half I got injured in a practice match, but I'd gone there with a dare I say it, a good record out of the juniors. So I was expected to do okay. Uh, And then uh, got hurt, played the rest of the season the first year. Second year was a really good year for me. Um, Kicked over 60 goals playing for West Perth. And West Perth uh, that year had a good side. Polly Farmer was the coach. Polly, in fairness, I was Polly's pet, so I got a better run than most. Polly sort of uh, really looked after me. Pick Pick a modern player. So people can get an idea. The Dennis Comedia that kicks sixty goals, a current AFL player. Give me a give me a similar. Are we a tie victory or, uh, or what type of? Uh, I'm going Bernie Quinlan. Bernie Quinlan. Okay, Bernie Quinlan's a perfect. <laughs> one. Give me a tie victory. Kicked hundred goals. <laughs> well, I can do what I like here. Oh, Why would I take tie victory? Right, fair enough. So you're you're a Bernie Quinlan. <laughs> Not you've, really. You've, you've kicked sixty. Things uh, are going nicely. Yeah, things are going nicely. Got hurt in the final, a uh, second semi, and really after that, it, it, I got into radio sort of late in that 68 year and uh, I got into radio because uh, I was playing good footy and I'd been offered a job in the country everyone starts in the country and radio Mm. but because the footy was going well uh, the blokes had offered me the job in the country said uh, would you mind playing oh playing records and and starting in the city of course not you know I I lapped that up I, I was in love with radio and uh, then the beginning of the next year my father died I just met my soon-to-be wife and uh, I got to say my dedication really fell away it was nobody's fault but mine uh, rehab was no good uh, as I said Polly was terrific Graham he came around and uh, we had long talks and uh, but I, I never really went back I, I just fell in love with the media and it was far easier I mean you had to put the dedication into football particularly if you're injured and mm. trying to come back uh, the other side just really needed if you're in radio and you're playing disc jockeys and playing top 40 music, all you needed to know was uh, where the nightclubs were and uh, away you went. And that was it. So did you get, how did you slide into that media? What, what was your very first shift when you made your media debut? Can you remember? Uh, well, this, this particular station uh, went 24 hours a day. It was a really good rock station. You know, there were, that was when radio had reinvented itself. There was, uh, you know, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and all of that going on. And I did Midnight to Dawn for about three months it sat comfortably with the football it it wasn't a problem and then went on to afternoons and uh, did afternoons for uh, well a year and a half after that and uh, so did you have a show yeah what what was it called well a Dennis Gometti show <laughs> it was, well, you that's what the, I should have called for the podcast, just the Mark Howard show, rather than how he came. Well, the, the Bernie Quinlan show, did you think? <laughs> I might have run with that. So, Ber- I'm not sure Bernie had been invented at that stage. So you, you go into work and, uh, you know, I came from sort of tapes and I think my first tape was Choose 985 and then CDs and now my kids are, you know, they're only four and six but they're playing it on the phone. So what was the physical logistics of what you do? You'd sit in the studio and what, what would you Play just, records, well, 45s, 45s on turntables either side and uh, cassettes pretty primitive cassettes, were the commercials. You'd just hit a button and away they would go. You'd skid start the records. In those days, the records pretty short. You know, anything over three minutes too long, they didn't like that. Right. So you're constantly talking virtually. You know, short records, back to back, and away you go through a three or four-hour shift. So it was terrific. Was it fun? Oh, it's best fun I've had. Was it? Met some crazy people. I, I mean, was very, very volatile industry. You know, <laughs> oh, like it yeah. was, well, you know, radio was supposed to be dead and it reinvented itself and it reinvented itself through the music but also the people who played it. And a lot of those guys were crazy beyond crazy. But it was just 
fantastic to be part of it. So how does the show start? It, we, you know, you have your uh, – you're on all of a sudden. What, what's well, Dennis got right off the top? Well, I guess we go with our strength. We play something by the Beatles. But, but how but, do you – Well, no, it's, it's just like today. Now, it wasn't sort of horse and cart, well, I, I know, well, but know, I'm like, trying to you get – You have the, the news. You know how the news goes yep. on, on Triple M, for example. Yep. You have the news. Yep. Back announce the news with a bit of weather, and then you just rumble into the first tune. Oh, can you rumble into one for me? Can you rumble into the Beatles? So I, I get it. You know, you're, I've seen the pictures. You got some pretty long hair going. You had some real funky kit on, Den. Like, what were you wearing to work those days? Yeah, that was that was. Sort of I got to explain stuff. how long have we got. I need to explain that cravat. I've seen we were, a photo of a cravat. We were taking the piss that day, but <laughs> I am prepared. If somebody at the Herald Sun is listening, I am prepared to pay the ransom. I, I got to buy that photo. Uh, no, and then um, you just. Play the record. So the woman says it's a uh, man, but generally women in those days, uh, probably 50-50. But uh, the girls did a lot of the news work. Uh, it was uh, very rare for a woman to be on air in those uh, in those days. Right. Uh, that's changed and changed for the better. My word. Uh, but uh, you say you just she'd say uh, or he'd say it's uh, twenty three degrees in Perth, and uh, on would come you know the first bars of whatever it might be. And then after that, you're away sort of saying what that was, what's coming up, what the temperature is that, again. That, that's the bit I want to hear. I want to hear uh, the back of a... No, you, you know. don't. I, I, no, 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 Howie, you don't. Why? You just, it's just a back announce, I mean, like anything else. Uh, uh, so who was who was the music for you? Because I spoke to a couple of people. I spoke to Josh Kay from, from Channel 7 and, and a couple of other people from Channel 7, Chris Jones as well, people you work with now. And, and yeah. I, I said to them, you know, away from footy what's your about and the first thing both of them said is music and they don't understand music and I don't understand music but this is a this is a recurring theme in your life in my music. life yeah it is it is uh yeah still uh still download stuff download a lot of stuff you know recent stuff uh what do you because, listen to at the moment uh well father john misty have you heard of father john no <laughs> no but i have no, no musical okay, knowledge okay. So. war on drugs who is is just a guy really with a couple of other bandmates and yep. they play music uh, i like that sort of stuff and, and the thing is and i say to people that uh, my generation probably is the only generation that has music in common with their kids. It started when I was young. Right. Uh, like there's almost an equivalent now for every performer back then. Okay. Uh, so, so if you talk about Father John Misty, uh, he probably reminds me of a guy called Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin, heard, heard the song Taxi? Yes. Yeah, well, that, that song, I mean, very wordy. Father John Misty uh, can rock a little more than Harry Chapin, but Harry Chapin could rock. Bob Dylan, the guy who is war on drugs, war on drugs, uh, is Bob Dylan. Uh, so there's almost an equivalent. You know, the sound is the same, the voice, and, and lyrically similar as well. So it, it's amazing after all these years that you, you have these equivalents. So uh, uh, music hasn't changed too radically, just... The names of the performers have. I, one of my favourites is a guy who was uh, some time ago now, back in the seventies, Jackson Brown, uh, and I actually sent a uh, email to Jackson at one stage. Never met the man, but I yep. fired one off. I got one back. I don't think it was Jackson who sent it back, <laughs> but even so, <laughs> I said to him, you know, like all all I wanted was a, a concert on video of Jackson, and uh, so I said, look, I followed you in vinyl, I followed you in uh, cassette, in uh, CDs. Yeah. You know, like uh, we've gone through a whole range. I've been through everything that he's done and I've bought the same catalogue three times in various technology. For God's sake, make a DVD before you're too old, you know. And he sent me back, or somebody, somebody sent me back, you know, sort of uh, they made the mistake of Jackson thinks and then crossed that out and I think. But 
what they were saying was that Jackson had a sort of – they went into his contract and said that until the contract is over, he doesn't get the dough, so he's not right, <laughs> making right. a DVD, which was far too much, much explanation for a bloke like me. But uh, it was really interesting, and eventually he did bring out a concert. But uh, he's a year older than me, Jackson, so he needed to do it and do it soon. <laughs> Someone once explained commentary to me, which I'll talk to you later, about pulling a different file out of your head. So if a bloke's got the ball on the wing, he kicks it, he passes it, he punts it. It's a this type of kick, that type of kick. Do you, do you have that type of musical recollection in your head and people that are right into music seem to attach it to significant moments in their life when they wet, met their wife or when they had a first child? Or do you, do you have songs that go back through your history that become part of who you are? No, or not? no, no, I don't. Uh, not really. I wouldn't describe myself as sentimental and perhaps you need a little sentimentality to do that. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I, I, if, I, if I see a song, uh, sort of like uh, one of my favourite memories, one of the best games I saw as a kid was the 64 grand final in Perth and East Fremantle actually lost. But uh, and then I see a hit parade sometime later, I'll always look say, to 64 September and right. see what song was number one. Right. But then uh, I really remember it. As, as With this, I do remember it. It was a song called uh, Have I the Right by the Honeycombs. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that was uh, – so you put those two things together in your head, but really at the time they were separate. I, I, I know the song and I know the match. I didn't realise until I actually look right. that they were happening at the same time. But so that's a long time ago. It, it is a long time ago. So ha- how does it transition from you're in there wearing that – Cravat spinning you. Ah, one day, one day, wow. one day with a cravat. I, I don't know. But it still lives. <laughs> oh, Matt Preston's brought it back in oh, with MasterChef. So I think. You know, yeah. How does that get to becoming a sports broadcaster? What, what What was the first step that you went from spinning the discs to talking about? Was it footy? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was footy. Although uh, what I did most early on was cricket, as it turns out. Well, it was a volatile industry. Did I explain that? Crazy people. Yes. And you um, didn't last long at any. One station. There was massive turnover. Hasn't changed? No, well, I think it's got more stable. But, yeah, it, it's still a volatile industry because formats change, uh, people who come in and run the station change, and constantly the staff are changing as a result of that. Looking for ratings, they're always on the move, particularly in shows like Breakfast, but in any of the shows, you know. And the format change is the one that's the real killer. And there was a lot of that in those days, although, uh, you know, and... and Probably two guys from the east were getting the sack in the east and moving to the west and uh, squeezing out blokes in the west, and so you'd have to move. And you know, I came to Melbourne for a while and did some work at 3DB, which wasn't exactly a rock station, although the shift I did was at night. So you got these hybrids of stations as well. But uh, eventually, I, I got a chance uh, at a station I was doing afternoons in Perth, mm. having been in Melbourne, and. Uh, they were sold late in the year, sort of after a football season approaching Christmas, they were sold. Uh, but they made the intention known that they were going to get out of football. And they'd been a sort of uh, a stalwart of football in Perth. And the people who bought them, a Victorian consortium, decided they wanted to go back into football. But they made that decision probably in about uh, February of the following year, and the season is upon us. But all the commentators from that particular station had uh, gone to other stations. That was right. in the old days when there were four matches on a Saturday afternoon and yep. four stations covered. 
the matches. So you had your own match each week and you had a rotational system. All deep background. But anyway, the guy who was coming in, who was a Victorian fella, said, uh, can you put a football coverage together for us? Now, I was doing afternoons. He said, that'll be your weekend shift. Just call the footy and put it together. So, so I did that. The previous year, which, which plays into this, and he must have heard it, I, I was asked to help a fella called Ian Major from 3KZ do a state game. So I started right at the top, How It's been downhill ever since. But he rings up the station I'm at, purely a rock station. There was some affiliation. And this is how life goes. I, I picked up the phone and um, he said, do you blokes do football? He said, who are you? I said, I do the afternoon show. He said, uh, do you guys do football? And I said, no. He said, well, listen, is there anyone there who might be able to help me? He said, uh, "Wow, yeah, because he said, I'm coming over for a state game next Tuesday or next weekend or whenever it was. He said, just uh, let me take a breath. So he said, uh, I said, well, I can't. You know, I played footy. So uh, anyway, Ian Major and I went to the football. He was very gracious. He let me do quite a bit, actually. So you your know. first game was stake Yeah, WAV Victoria. Were you nervous? Uh, no, it was too silly to be nervous. Did you know you'd be able to do it? I uh, thought I could do it because I remember those games on the floor when I was 11. You know, it gives so you that's a lot where of confidence. you went back to? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, no, it was, It just turned out terrifically well. The hardest part was, uh, well, he, it was harder for him because uh, they didn't know the West Australians at all coming into that situation. Yeah. You know, like uh, at least we saw a bit of Victorians and, and I followed the Victorian stuff as closely as I could. So uh, that being the case, it, it, it went well. But it led to what happened next. This guy from Victoria I may have heard the broadcast, I don't know, may have heard about it, but he's come across and said, well, just put something together. Together, cobble something together, we'll start because we can make some money and see how we go. So that, that's that's how I got into football. Did it for a year. ABC rang up and said, uh, listen, do you want to come over? They had a job going and this bloke said, will you come over to the ABC? Well, my mum was delighted. I spoke to her about it. You know, a real job, yep. security and all of that. So I went to the ABC and I was there for 13 years. And the first things I really did at the ABC because it was coming off a of football season was, uh, was do the cricket. It's funny you say a real job. My dad still says to me I, when however long I got it, I, I fell into this industry and he still views any job, uh, he's a typical Aussie bloke, love my dad, any job you wear makeup for him, <laughs> it's not a real job then. And still, you know, I, I'm getting it. It's not quite, I can't become an engineer or a plumber now and he's still, mate, you know, no. this is an unstable industry. When are you going to do something that's going to support your family? I'm like, well, Dad, I'm pretty invested here now. Did you miss the Howie games last week? If you did, you muffed it big time. Go back and have a listen to the smooth-talking Darren Sammy. The first ever slate youth to play cricket for the West Indies. Says, Zorro, West Indies cricket board. Says, yes. He says, I'm calling... Once I heard... I'm calling to say, to tell you that you've been selected for the West... How we... I run around lords like a crazy person. Imagine a black man at Lord's running around like a crazy person, just hugging people. I went, I remember Clive Wrightley was in the coach, was the coach. I run, run through the nursery ground, straight in his office, jumped on him, poor old man, probably nearly break his back, you know? And he's like, Sammy, Sammy, what's happened? He's like, rats, rats, I made it, made what? I made the West Indies team. It was, it was crazy, Howie. That was my man, Big Down Sammy. What a dude. Back to den now. Peace, Peace and love. love.
cricket to me is it. If I can choose one game That's to talk game. about or to watch or to play is cricket. I think it's such a it's such a beautiful game to, to broadcast. Did, so to, who were you broadcasting in the cricket? What type of names were there and who were you broadcasting with? Uh, well, I, I was lucky. I, I got the, the test cricket in my first year, which was most unusual. Did you love it? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It was fantastic. Uh, I did a couple of tests late in the first summer and, uh, you know, like I was at this stage 24. So so it was it was something that was a little unusual and uh, McGilvray was doing it, uh, Alan McGilvray. You probably yes. heard. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, iconic figure in Australian sport. And a daunting uh, and, and figure to sit next to? Like you were probably uh, the youngest bloke ever to call cricket for the ABC at that type of age, wouldn't you? Well, I, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it was it was unusual. You know, generally you sort of had to – but I had a fellow uh, at the ABC who was in my corner and he pushed very hard for me and uh, so it, it worked out well. It's amazing he had the push, but th- that's what happened. Uh, and I did that for 13 years with, with, with Alan and uh, – Probably, well, did have the chance to to do his job when he retired. Mm. Uh, but I, I sort of I was doing football, local football, during the winter, and uh, the ABC sort of gave me the option of touring one winter with Alan going to England and uh, going around and meeting all the people I needed to meet, like uh, Johnston and well, uh, an Arlott. Tour. And, uh, yeah, and I chose the WAFL. Wow. So. so they couldn't get their head around that, Howie, and probably that was the end of me at the ABC. Yeah. So, so the the real job was in in peril. Because you love the footy more. Because like, I love the footy more. Right. Yeah, like it tells you it tells it. you about something. Well, I wasn't going to broadcast. I was going to go with Alan and meet the people who, on the next Ashes tour, I might be working with. You know, so that was that was the deal. Um, but the fact I wasn't going to be doing any broadcasting didn't mm, appeal much yeah. either, you know. And, and Alan, they were a different generation to me, uh, magnificent broadcaster at his best. Uh, but and this is not a criticism. It's just that, you know, we, we were I was young and he was his age and to tour together, um, I just think it would have been hard on my liver. <laughs> You know, I, I don't think I would have come back the right. same man. So yeah. they enjoyed a bit of refreshment. Oh, yeah, yeah, they had a great time. You know, yeah. that, that was their life and, and they loved talking about it and uh, they loved to smoke the cigarettes. It would be like a uh, nightclub in the Casbah room with those guys when they got together, <laughs> he and his mates. And, and, you know, I'd walk past and think, i <coughs> start coughing just looking in there uh, and I could see myself. You know, it wasn't the lifestyle for me either, but... Now, the, it tells you something when you make that decision. Yeah. That you, footy is your first love. Yeah, but but with, I love broadcasting cricket. With, with those musicians that you were – and we're not going to put anything that's going to get you arrested here, Dan, but surely in the, the 60s in Australia and you're broadcasting music and you're hanging out with musicians, you must have seen an alternative side to life that didn't just involve sitting in the pub having beers as well. Well, look, I, I, I certainly wasn't going down that path, H, and uh, – I just thought they were crazy. Maybe they were crazy right. because of something. So I don't you know. You just didn't start wearing tie-dye shirts and, you know, taking acid and that wasn't you? No, not me, not me. And when people talk about the 60s, my wife who was there too, she was the boss's secretary at the time, uh, it skipped past us all right. of that. You know, we didn't see any of it, so we doubt we were there. But uh, there certainly must have been some of that about. But we, we didn't see it. So the cricket, is there... I love the cricket, and I, I have—I don't have much of a knowledge before I started watching cricket. But was there a player or, or a session or a test match that stuck in your mind? That not necessarily that you call well, but as a cricket fan, it was like oh, it's a treat. To, you know how you have days and you go to work and you think, "Well, I can't believe I was getting paid to be here today to see that." Is there, is there moments that you recall from your cricket 
broadcasting that were like that? Uh, I'm just trying to think. There, there were some moments that certainly uh, I look back on, not necessarily like you're saying, but there are moments that I recall. The first thing I, I remembered about the impact of cricket was uh, it must have been in the mid-70s when the West Indies toured and they uh, they hadn't done well in previous seasons. They were coming with something of a new-look side and uh, they won a test match. Now, I think it was a six-test series against the Australians. They won the Perth test. Right. And they hadn't beaten the Australians for some time. I mean, it went back, I think, almost to the tour with Frank Worrell in 60-61. Yep. Uh, but Viv Richards was just starting. I remember... A young one, Viv. A young Viv. Uh, but he wasn't getting a regular game. Like, he was just in the touring party. Wow. He put a, I remember a six going past at about 12 feet off the ground <laughs> and just cleared a brick wall to our left of the broadcast box and hit the police building across the street and you thought to yourself because Western Australia had a great side at that time yeah. and you thought to yourself wow he's an interesting player and you sort of put that down but they won this test match on the back of a brilliant century by a left-handed batsman Roy Fredericks Roy sort of went to town and just he carved up the Australian attack and the next morning in the paper I read uh, that what had happened in the West Indies, suddenly the whole place has gone off, you know, like on the various islands, but mm. uh, in Jamaica in particular. Uh, and they formed conga lines on the street and they lit fires and they were dancing. Due to the Test Match win. Yeah, but I remember my voice had sort of been the last sort of shot of the game where they had actually, it might have been the last wicket. Now, yep. I don't remember it vividly to that extent, but I, I think it was the last shot of the game and they'd won with about, uh, let's say, six or seven wickets in hand, and I'm just guessing. But this breaks out on the street, this spontaneous celebration, and to be the catalyst to, to sort of deliver that message, <laughs> yeah. it, sort of, it actually makes you sit and think for a moment and think, well, you sort of you were saying it, and then they, because of what you said, not what you did, but what you said, just describing the action, uh, they've responded in that manner. That well, was what a wonderful thing, though. Yeah, yeah, I, that was. Uh, but my my recall, see, I need Bruce here. I need Bruce to be feeding me notes constantly <laughs> because quite often when I'm sitting with Bruce, so, so what I've said there is, is my recollection, whether it's factually correct, and and, and cricket being the sort of game it is, people will soon tell you. Nah. When committee was on, that wasn't factually correct. And it may be the case. But my recollection is uh, the bottom line for me was the impact of saying something and reading about it the next morning. Uh, you don't understand the consequences sometimes. Mm. Um, I learnt that lesson. And the, the other thing that happened, similar situation here in Melbourne uh, when the Australians uh, against England, MCG had two wickets in hand, uh, needed about 90 runs. And I think Tomo was one of the batsmen. I can't remember who was batting with him. I should. Alan Border. That, that yes, yes. I'm oh. sitting in Perth watching it, and a yes. P&O ad comes on. Yeah. And halfway through, ad they cut out of it and they missed the wicket, which was you weren't listening was, to the radio. No, I was watching. Oh, I was a young bloke in Bull Creek, and it was either <laughs> Bull Creek. It was Miller and Tavare. One of them dropped it. One of them caught yes, it. Yes, yes. That, that, that was the end of the that, test that match. Was, yes, and and everywhere but you I, called that. Yeah. Well, every oh, every day. I used to, I, well, I used to cherish tests that ended early. Not too early, but, you know, sort of... So you <laughs> Halfway through the second day early. I used to, yeah, well, half half a day off at the end was to really go for a bit of shopping and sort of have a coffee or whatever. So I, I liked that. And uh, But the Australians kept batting far beyond that. It was free to get in the next morning. You know, it was expected that we'd just get bowled over. And we got within, I think, about 14 runs. Uh, and then what you say happened, dropped court. You know, like the bloke at second dropped it. Bounce the bloke at first. And and I was walking around the street and uh, it struck me again that all all the news bulletins that we were talking about before, yeah. those news bulletins, in the sport was that clip yep. 
of uh, you know, and, and then you think, well, it's a good thing I didn't stuff it up. You know, like that—that's the one thing uh, that you think about as well. But just just those those impactful things and memories. That that is my first sporting memory. That's amazing that you've talked about. That's the first thing I can remember watching on the telly. It makes me feel very old. That, well, actually, Howie, very old. I was probably I don't know. I was probably six. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I think the Aussies <laughs> needed three to win in the end, and you know, both of them beaters like both of them. Used yes, to beat us. Yes. So you, you mentioned your voice. Mm. Um, is that luck? Have you just been, without being... Oh, totally, I would think. Are you just blessed to have that beautiful voice? Uh, well, I don't know that it is. I don't think anyone's really happy with their own voice, are they? Uh, well, I, I hate listening back. Do you hate listening back or do you, does it, is it passable or is it... Uh, yeah, it's passable. I, you know, like I, 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 it's, it's the only voice I've had. So, you know, like and I've, I've, I've had to listen to it for a long time because I've done things that required the voice. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, there are voices I sort of envy, like Sean Connery or someone like that. That's a voice, you know. Or, I'm not sure it's any good or, for the footy, though, mate. Well, it would be. Can oh, imagine, imagine Sean Connery. Oh, come on. Imagine Sean Connery doing it uh, well, with Lou Richards. A bit of ablet with Sean Connery. I, well. Oh, that would be something. It would. Uh, I, I think you are, you know, we, there's some things we can control and all, all the preparation in the world, which which we'll touch on at some point, but you can't control how, how you sound. No, well, you can't do that. But then again, you know, I don't think anyone's ever really happy with it either. You know, like your own voice. I, you know, no, I, I don't think it's it, by comparison with voices that are around that special. Certainly, going back to the radio days, there were guys, you know, disc jockeys with with, with wonderful voices like John Laws, uh, mm. blokes that you wouldn't know. You know, just names, but I knew them, and the voices they brought to the table, you're almost embarrassed. You know, they were booming voices. What What's happened with radio these days is, particularly the ABC, they they seem to be leading the charge here. It's the voice of the everyday man. They've gone for these 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 middle range voices that don't have a lot of base in uh, in, their, in their broadcasters. Can we use names? Are we talking no, about? no, no. Just in general, I I don't you know I sort of flip from state to state a lot and listen to the ABC. If I'm not all the time, yep. and generally it's a music station. But yep. if I'm listening to the ABC, uh, what has struck me? And it's not a criticism. It's nothing other than uh, the day of the deep voices on radio. Uh, seem to have passed, at least for the present, they might come back. It, it seems to me that they want the voice of the everyman. You know, it's, it's a light voice. It's uh, Is it a reality TV? It's like your voice, Howie. Not, you know, no. not, not being, but it, it, it's, it's in that range where it is the voice of most guys or most, most women. And it's almost a, uh, what's the word? Um, it, it's the separation of man and woman here is not as as succinct as it right. used to be. You know, the voices are similar. And I say it's not a criticism, it's just that it seems it seems though to be a desire from whoever is hiring these people to go that way. And commercial radio certainly has as well. Mm. Uh, very few deep voices now. But the deep voice I'm, I've got this little meter in front of me that I occasionally yes, take recording. And, and look at yours. You're up at, I don't understand technical, but I'm at four <laughs> and you're at 12. And 12 is so much better, Dan. Let's be honest. Well, it seems not these days. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, four, four is making a comeback. I'm not sure. Four is king. Yeah, four may be king, but forever 12 will be. <laughs> oh. So, uh, footy. Yes. You, you, you've done your cricket. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to make this all about sport because there's other things I want to talk to you about. But footy is what you've become synonymous with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, how good's that? That you're synonymous with a game that you love. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's it's been a trip, as they say. Mm. Um, 
very lucky. Circumstance, it's, it's you know, that phone call, for example, that day in the record library, you don't pick up the phone. Anyone could pick up that phone mm. for him, Ian Major. Not uh, everyone not, would have had the 12, though, Dan. Uh, well, not everyone would have had the 12. A lot of those guys in the building would have, but probably <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> couldn't hear the phone or <laughs> thought they heard the phone. Uh, so, uh, yeah, luck's got a lot to do with it, and being in the right place at the right time has too. Um, but, yeah, it's been fantastic, and you consider yourself. When you look back, I mean, when it's happening to you, mm. uh, like in all things, you don't really have time to consider how good's this. Uh, I think, you know, when you finish sometimes, you almost have to pinch yourself, and I'm getting close to that stage. When, when you look back and see what you've had access to and been allowed to do and, you know, sort of how lucky you were, that I'm sure it must hit you then. But even now, because of there being so many years behind me, I... Yeah. I I look at things and think, well, you know, was I there and that happened and how lucky was I? So why are you – we might as well – this is the beautiful thing about a podcast. It's just you don't have to structure it like normal radio or telly, which is why we're sitting here, Dan. Why are you um, – you know, why are you giving it away? <laughs> well, you, get, you always have to give it away, don't you? I mean, yep. sooner or later it'll give you away or you'll give it away. Um, I can't get any better. I remember there was a guy who was a state – captain in football in Western Australia. I worked with him. He was an expert and I was the commentator and we were good friends. But he retired very early. He was state captain and uh, he retired at about 27. And years later, I was doing the work with him on television. Like, Mm. uh, you know, five, six years later, he became the guy that sat on the panel and all of that. And we were just talking one night and I said to him, um, he was a very successful businessman at that stage too, smart guy. And I said, "Uh, you know, why did you give it away so early? And he said... uh, well, I wasn't going to get any better. Now, that's that's not an answer that satisfies everybody because some people say, sure I, I li- well, well, I've got the best of both worlds to a certain extent. It's, it's been a pretty long run and I'm not sure that I'm going to get any better. So, yeah, I will claim that part of his answer, but there are, there are those that would take issue with him and say, I loved it so much that I couldn't stop playing until I got to 35. Mm. Now, we see players who sort of, stick around too long, don't we? And probably commentators the same. I mean, in every profession, people... I'm sure it happens with doctors too. They, they perhaps aren't as good as they once were, but it's what you do and you stay yep. doing it. Um, you get to a situation where uh, you think uh, probably it's time, but I've got the added thing because I live in Perth of the travel. Now, if it was just doing the football, I think I'd probably be one of those who would stay too long. And people would say, time for you to go, pal. You know, someone would have to tap me on the shoulder. But I don't like to travel anymore. How many Ks must you have You must have flown to the moon and back. For people that don't know, Dennis, you, you probably call 75% of your games in Victoria. You're living in Perth, which for those that aren't aware, it's 4,000 K. It's four hours one way and three hours back with a Wesley wind mm. behind you. It's, it's geez. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of travel. And travel plays on your mind too. I mean, mm. uh, you know... Uh, you keep forgetting things and you wonder whether you've forgotten things. And, you know, when people pack for a holiday, that, that sort of is almost uh, – you get into a routine, but each weekend is slightly different. And uh, I, I find that a little unsettling now, you know, and I, I don't enjoy that. I sort of had a knee replacement, so now I go through and it takes forever and I hold everybody up while they pat me down and that sort of stuff. And you think, oh, you know, gosh – 
it's okay when you can just stroll through, Harry, but things have changed. Geez, you're moving well, though, now. I can remember seeing you walking in the comedy box at Triple M last year, and I thought, oh, gee whiz, Den might not see it this season, but now you've got a bit of the Usain Bolts about you, the old knee <laughs> oh, replacement. Yeah. That chair will be empty in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the footy, it's, I don't know, how do you ask someone questions about such such a, a body of work? I don't know whether I ask you about specific games or specific skills or specific cause. I, I guess the one to me where I sit there and think, how is he so good? And again, I spoke to a couple of people and they said, don't be fooled. He, he watches an enormous amount of tape and he prepares and he prepares. And that's what you hear every sportsman say, that their good luck came through their preparation. How, how do you, is it preparation that gets you to the level you are? Or uh, Yeah, I'd say so. I, you know, I, I don't mind doing that. I, I sort of don't watch games live that much, but mm. I sort of will watch the games that concern me the following week on tape. Way to go. I, uh, pretty much, you know. Right. I, I, well, I don't mind doing it. I mean, I still love the game, and that's that's the distinction I would draw between the travel and the game. If I was just mm. doing the game and it was in my hometown every week and there was no no flight, um, yeah, it'd still be fun. But it, it's all those other areas around it. Just just getting there, just doing it. You know, get, doing the hard yards. Uh, but part of the hard yards isn't watching tape. You know, I, I, I quite enjoy that. Uh, so, how much tape would you you're calling? Friday night, uh, when this is, you know, we're sitting here in the middle of an AFL season in Melbourne. You've got the Kangaroos playing the Western Bulldogs tomorrow, one versus two. It'll be you and Bruce, half mm-hmm. the country will be watching. How much work's gone into that game for you and what type of work is it? Well, seeing I'm staying this weekend in Melbourne, not as much as it should. <laughs> well, in a difficult <laughs> week when you're not here at the Hyatt uh, drinking martinis and looking well, down my wife the and I tell you, we love the, we love the restaurants in Melbourne, yeah. so we, we get out too much. But, yeah, I would I would sort of, on a daily basis from the, the previous weekend, sort of starting uh, early Monday, just watch – I might watch 20 minutes of uh, each game sort of uh, – maybe a couple of 20-minute grabs over the day. Uh, but I do a game for Triple M on Monday and then a Sunday game as well. So I'm, I'm trying to incorporate mm. six teams. So I start with the back end first. I'll take the Sunday game first at the front of the week and put a lot of time in that because what I want to end with is the game I'm going to do first. So, so from about sort of Wednesday on, Wednesday lunchtime, the energy goes into the game on Friday night. Now we'll see both the teams probably through the entire game that they played the previous weekend. So um, you see, you know, all the teams you're doing, I think, uh, completely, with the exception maybe of the Saturday game where a half will do me because you just run out of time. There are other things to do. People look at it differently, I guess, with sports broadcasting. Some people prefer and some people tell you to be like an umpire. You know, you're obviously heard, but you're just sort of saying what's happening and other people will see it as an entertainment and a performance and a production, for want of a better term, and you're really adding to it. Where do you sit in those camps, Dan? Never really thought – well, I have to a certain extent. Um, I was going to say never really thought about it. Um, Look, I I watch a lot of sport, Mm. love sport, you know, sort of American sport I like, but all sport I'll watch. Uh, And at the end of the day, I I figure that – and this is just a purely personal choice. It's not saying whether it's right or it's wrong – I like broadcasters who, at the end of the day, if I have followed them over a period of time, say a decade, and I watch most of their work because I like the sports they're covering, that I know them better than when I started, uh, just uh, like in any sort of relationship. Mm. But that doesn't mean they have to do that and sort of open up to me. But at the same time, I I like that, and I try to be that way to a certain extent. I, I think if someone puts the time into following what you're covering, uh, they don't have to know, but it might be helpful to them. 
and it's something, as I say, I think is the way to go, that they know me better. So I'm pretty much as I, I like to think that I'm pretty much as I am, you know, sort of what, what they see and what they hear is what they get, um, whether it's on the street or uh, on, on telly. Uh, I, but that, that is something that uh, some guys obviously don't feel the same way about because some guys do put up sort of a wall and, and I've watched some broadcasters for and listened to some broadcasters harder when you listen only but watched in particular 20 years of their commentary and feel I know them no better. And I, I just don't think that's the way I would like it. I'm with you. I, that, hence the fact we're sitting here, I think... I think it's an entertainment package and you're adding to the entertainment, but if we can find a bit about you, um, mm. I think it massively adds to what you're doing. But people it, are divided and bosses are divided. Absolutely. And, and the advice you get is divided as to whether inject yourself into the game or keep yourself out of the game, isn't it? Well, well, it's a, it's a balance, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's not about me, 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 that one. Uh, no. A few too many me's in there, anyway. Uh, but uh, it's 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 how you think you can do that and still not affect mm. the enjoyment for people. Yeah, you know, sort of. You don't come in laden with opinions. The odd opinion's fine. You don't come in laden with humour. You know, sort of the odd quip, something mildly amusing is okay. Um, and and that's life. I mean, it's it's hard. Most of these games, when you when you shake them out, I think. Uh, it's uh, it's sort of heresy to say this to supporters, uh, but they are really of no consequence. I mean, at the end of the season, uh, yeah. for all the games we do, there is one game that really is important. Yeah. Uh, some of these games, it's like going to the theatre. Along the way, they may be wonderful instalments and stand alone as wonderful exhibitions of the game. And it'll be close and it'll be terrific. And you come away from that and you're glad you went. But in the overall scheme of things, the playing of these games week after week after week, um, a lot of them are forgotten very quickly, aren't they? I mean, you, you oh, do they them. Are. Yeah, they, I, I can't tell you last week which game I went to. Yeah. Uh, the ones that stand out, obviously, uh, the games that uh, thrill you the most and uh, have the aspects we like most in the game. But it's all to get to that one game. And then you remember who the premiers are, the leading goal kicker is, the uh, Brownlow medalist. Yep. All of that comes from the season. But what sort of led up to that, in many cases, the teams that finished 13th, 14th, 15th, you wouldn't have a clue in some cases um, how they went in terms of who played well for them, who won the best and fairest, unless you're a, a zealot and follow that particular club. So I can understand the allegiance from supporters, but in the broadcasting sense, uh, you're getting to point X. And uh, if there's some really good entertainment along the way, terrific. But that's uh, not going to overwhelm what is uh, the vast majority of what you cover, and that is stuff that is eminently forgettable. I want to be entertained. Though. I want to be entertained by my athletes, and I want to be entertained by my commentators. That's just me. Like it, yeah, I love the American touchdown, and it's all about me. I love that. You know, <laughs> I, like when I see Buddy kick thirteen, and he's interviewed by Hutto later, and he says, "Oh, you know, it's all about the team and the boys and the structure and the process and the delivery." I, I crave him to just say. I was magnificent today. <laughs> I crave that from a sport and a sport broadcaster. You, you were talking about the quips, yeah. which has become, again, synonymous with you. Mm. Um, and I've sort of thought about this and doing the Big Bash this year, I had in my head that I, for the first time I'll try and think of something in my head that relates to what's going on and I'll see if I can get in a commentary. And poor Miss, oh, might have been Miss Venezuela, Miss Columbia was presented with 
Miss Universe den. I don't know if you saw yeah, it. Yeah, I did. Dude. And the bloke wrong it one. Up and he gave it to the wrong girl. And yep. someone got out, and I had in my head at a point when someone was disappointed. I would say along the lines of, you know, he, he, I think it was Tim Luderman. Tim Luderman would be as disappointed as Miss Columbia. And, and it worked. It was okay. But it consumed my whole bloody call, Dan. <laughs> yeah. For the two and a half hours leading up to that in the game of cricket, I was like, when am I going to use this? And I reckon the rest of my call was horrible. <laughs> so how, uh, well, like, yeah. how do you approach that? Because surely the, the intelligence and the mastery of your skill you have, some things pop into your head, but you must have others that are, are in there, whether they're written down. I don't know. What, what's the process for the, for the comment that you've become famous for? Uh, yeah, we, I don't know. We're, we're making this sound more than it is. It, well, it's, well it, it's, if you know, you've thought about it before, yes. Have you thought about it before? Uh, some of those things, yeah. You sort of when you're watching footy, there's there's a tempo to football. It's like dancing. I'm not a dancer, but you know, like there's a tempo to football where things can be injected. You know, like uh, there'll be a ball up, there'll be a boundary throw in. Although fewer of them these days. Mm. Uh, but but every football match, uh, what goes into the football match, the ingredients if you're cooking a football match are the same. (laughs) You know, so there will be stoppages. There will be certain things that happen. So there's plenty of time to uh, sort of say what you want to say, I think. So uh, if dropping a line is uh, something you want to do. Uh, line sounds, uh, well, doesn't sound good on a couple of fronts, but it sounds, it sounds preordained. Not from a man from the West. <laughs> no, no, they missed there, all of that back in the 60s. Is it, is it, yeah, well, so you tell me. I, I'm still not sure about that. With that cravat and that hair, I think you must have been indulging yourself. <laughs> maybe, maybe that day with a cravat. <laughs> a very, very short break from Dennis Committee to preview next Thursday's episode of the Howie Games. We're going to stick with the theme of it being grand final weekend in Australia and bring you a three-time VFL Premiership player who also played in a drawn grand final and lost another Premiership by a solitary point. You may not have heard of this gentleman, but he has a heck of a story to tell. Before his amazing footy career even began, Jack Jones served in the Second World War in Papua New Guinea. You, you didn't even think about it. You got over a bit more and you didn't know whether you're going to be still alive by the end of the day. What could you do? I know people well, I don't can't know. understand that. No, I, I have no, I have no understanding. You couldn't of what be you're frightened saying. because you had to look after. You. I had to look after you, for instance, and I had to look after that bloke there. You know. So you didn't feel fear? No, nah, no, nah, never felt fear at all. If you listen to only one episode of the Howie Games, please make it the Jack Jones app coming out next Thursday. It'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, and it'll make you shake your head in absolute wonder and admiration. Jack coming out next Thursday on the Howie Games. Time now to go back to Dennis Cometti. So do you have lines? Do you come into the football and say, if the opportunity presents itself, I will put this into the coverage yes. today? Yes, And does that... Take your focus away from the rest of it, or no, it doesn't because not, you've not, done it. Not really, uh, because you know, I think where it's going to go. Almost, you know, yep. you need a certain set of circumstances to happen, uh, and sometimes you're not on air, so you can't do it. Uh, mm. Bruce might be calling it, or you know, somebody else may be talking, so you just let it slide. I mean, it doesn't have to be today. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I. I think uh, there have been some that sort of played on my mind for a long, long time. You track them around for maybe a season. Right. You know they're there. And, uh, but it, it, sounds, it sounds sort of too premeditated if you talk about it like this. I think if you go to a bar sometimes, uh, the funniest guys are the guys with the quips, aren't they? Yeah, now, no. I, I'm not that guy. but So I need to... Uh, you become that guy in the media, though. Well, if I'm, watching a, if I'm watching a replay and I see something happen 
Uh, it will happen again in another game down the track okay. somewhere. But when you see it happen, you suddenly do think of something you could could say. You know, like that would cover that reasonably well and and make someone maybe occasionally smile. So. Uh, do you write it down? Sometimes you do. Yeah. But it's not necessarily to be used next week or the game after that or whatever. It's the next time you see what you just saw. Right. And because you've seen enough football and I've seen enough football, you can almost sense when some of these things are coming. So so you just, you know, and then hopefully uh, you remember it well enough. I mean, uh, sometimes you don't. You just botch it. What do you do when you botch commentary does, don't talk about it how well, does it still happen to you now or are you so course, good that you can I, I find myself i get into a hole and i'm getting further down the hole and i don't have the skills to dig myself out of it at this point and, and i stuff it up <laughs> can you dig yourself out of the hole when you know it's coming we shouldn't even be talking like this we're, we're, we're just uh, tempting fate uh, but you know it's coming though you know what i mean you, you, yes yeah yeah you well. feel it's it's like when you start to lose control of your car Howie, you, you, you can get up? it back in a control den but i can't i'm into a telegraph pole but i presume you're still cruising down the freeway <laughs> you're asking a man of my advancing years <laughs> to go back down what is a dangerous path well, I, don't, I, think, I don't want to i don't want to talk about it i'm starting to it's got to be a big build up there in the closing <laughs> stages i don't want you to stuff it up and be ever remembered that did that. Hand me a fan. <laughs> no, that's it. No, go there at your peril. Okay, we, we well, can't, no, we, no, we can't go there. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that. It's funny because you're, you know, you're, you're a football man. You're synonymous with football. You did that cricket, but everyone, but the, the two, I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking to myself, what's the, what's the commentary from Den that's stuck in my mind? And they're both Olympic. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm not sure you're that, to be honest, enamoured with the Olympics. Um, oh, steady on. Well... You'd rather call a game of footy than a swimming race? Be uh, fair to say, or no? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, a good game of footy. Okay. Uh, I mean, the Olympics are the Olympics are very important, as we all know. I mean, uh, but they weren't mainstream for me, and I don't think they were for a lot of kids growing up. Yeah, I know. They were a little bit elitist in some yep. respects, going back yep. years. Uh, having access to pools and things, you know, like it wasn't as easy as it is today. But, uh, no, it, it's part of Australia's culture, the Olympics. Uh, the only thing I would say is that uh, with the Olympics, your proprietor, the station, gets mm. them. Mm. And every able-bodied man mm. is expected to then jump in and pull their weight. Now, you're doing things that aren't your strength. I've, I've seen it harm a lot of careers, actually, the Olympics. You know, people that are asked to do things that they have no idea about. The first thing that gives you away in sport is the language of the sport, isn't yep. it? I mean, you put in a word there that doesn't sit with that sport. One word. One word, and you're not forgiven for five years. This bloke doesn't know the sport, and it'll do you in every time. You're calling a hockey game, and you call it a free kick rather than a free hit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... <laughs> but, but it's, it's simple yeah, stuff, that, isn't that's it? Right, but it's sometimes oh, it's far saying. more subtle than that, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah, just, it is. Uh, and I can't even think of an example, but uh, every sport is littered with its own language, and to get that wrong to the people who love that sport is sacrilege, particularly in the Olympics. So, so what they expect is the mm. highest level of commentary where sometimes the, comp- the compromises, the commentators are not steeped in that sport. You just haven't got enough commentators. No station has. Not they, steeped or not. You might have even seen it until three weeks prior. Exactly. And when you go to the winters and uh, they start doing that, all this that, stuff. That's right. Uh, so, so the language is important. And uh, the other thing is with the Olympics too, which is, which is dangerous, I think, is that people who normally write the front page of morning dailies and uh, the think pieces and the editorial pieces in some cases in the morning dailies in Australia – suddenly start reporting on the Olympic coverage. Hmm. 
Mm. It becomes a big deal. People doing what they're not best at being marked and marked harshly in some cases. Never a positive den. No, no. Well, it, it's it's dangerous. It's, so you go into the Olympics knowing that there is danger involved because you're not feeling comfortable. Have you uh, been marked before? Uh, yeah, yeah. Every time I think they've been sort of... And have you gone? Pretty well. <laughs> See, we have different experiences. Oh, I got marked for the Big Bash this year amongst some elite cricket commentators and Rebecca Wilson, I think, gave me a 5 out of 10 and said, seems like a nice bloke who wandered past the Channel 10 comedy <laughs> box. They invited him for a cup of tea and he's never left. I'm like... Well, get stuff, Rebecca Wilson, but what can you do? Hey, Rebecca, that's not me speaking, of course. <laughs> well, it hit me pretty hard then. It's a, it's a part of modern sportscasting that you get smashed. I'm disappointed. Well, you no, I'm, dis- I'm disappointed you remember it verbatim, though. Well, <laughs> print it up on my wall, then, that's why. What about, what about after a game, I, a couple of times uh, in the last few years, I've got, I've got into the car with uh, other commentators, young fellas, and they... Go and look on oh. social media. Now, you almost feel, well, I don't even want to be near that phone because no. God knows what's on it. And, and why it. would you look? Why would you look? I mean, that, it's a cesspool. Yeah, and that's so, hurt so. a lot of people in our industry, in the sporting industry in general that, you know, well, we had we had Olympians, we had MC Bomb doing that and mm. saying that was the reason it didn't go her way in London because she was obsessed with after a semi-final checking the social oh, media. I just can't see why you'd go there. I mean, so in terms of marking, uh, if you go there, you know what mark you're going to get. It would. But it's just, uh, it's just unfair that, that people sort of uh, mark so harshly for something that uh, is not really in their wheelhouse. No. Uh, well, it may not have been in your wheelhouse, but as I said, I, I was sitting in a in a youth hostel in a place called Windhoek in Namibia, of all places. Still a young man, were you at this stage? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I, I was. Yeah. I wasn't wearing a cravat, but I was a young fella, <laughs> and I was watching Perkins swim. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that country was all about Frankie Fred- Fredericks, who was a sprinter who got the silver medal. And y- your call, which I didn't hear at the time, but I've obviously heard. Uh, Perkins is one that sticks in my mind, but I think the the one that really sticks in my mind is um, Thorpe and was it Gary Hall Jr. Thorpe Hall, Thorpe Thorpe Hall. Where's Bruce? Well, yeah, but it was so simple what you did then because you just called the two blokes names. Mm. But there's something about that 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 just resonates like that. That's the one thing that sticks in my mind. Yet you're only calling two blokes names. And nothing else, Tim. Uh, the and com- they made you out like a genius. <laughs> All right, well, this is therapeutic for you. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's 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 yeah. that that to me is you, and that is I don't know why. I, I I don't know if you have something you listen back to, or if those moments resonate to you, or is there things that I've never seen those. I've never seen any of those races back. To well, be honest, you, you have to at some stage. You need to. No, I don't have to. Well, it's uh, no. The only thing. It's the brilliant, only, Dan, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You sure? No, it is. It's, well, in that case, I might watch. It's elite, Dan. It's just. <laughs> I might watch it. I, 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 no, I've got to say, I, I just, I'm not one to go back and look because it makes me feel uncomfortable talking about listening to your own yeah. voice and stuff. I, I don't enjoy that. Uh, never seen any of those races. Never. Uh, never. Uh, only they pop up on the news going into an Olympics, but it's only the last five meters or so. Well, so that's the gist of it. Yeah, that's the gist of it. Uh, but the funny thing when I when I think back to. Um, the Olympics. Atlanta uh, is the one that uh, I enjoyed the most. Uh, not not 
the most enjoyable Olympics. The best Olympics was Sydney by a mile. Mm. But uh, the calling sort of was a great time for Australia and uh, we were really starting to become a, a power again. Uh, the, I find footy, you haven't got a lot of time to think, so it's instinctive broadcasting. It's very rapid fire. Swimming, because uh, they're not going anywhere, they're pretty much locked into their lanes. <laughs> you, can't, you can't leave your lane, so you know where they are. You're not going to lose them. Yeah. And you get a lot of time to think. And I, I remember... In the race? Yeah, yeah, okay. you know, sort of, and I, I find that I don't like a lot of time to think when what you're going to say because actually it, it probably doesn't come out as well most of the time as if it's instinctive and it's what you do a lot of. Mm. Anyway, I, I sort of decided uh, with uh, Susie O'Neill, I think it was the 200 Butterfly, that uh, the heart of a lion and the heart of Dixie yep. sounded pretty good. Yep. You know, like this is really contrived stuff, but I thought uh, the whole country is going to be watching, so that that'll be a good one for the time capsule. And I was thinking in that regard, which is uh, me, 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 but I thought you do need something for a big time yeah, thing that's going to live for a long time. So, so you try and give it a bit of history and a bit of context, and I'm thinking uh, Heart of a Lion and the Heart of Dixie, yeah, I like that. Anyway, they, they, they come back for the last uh, 50 and they're swimming down the pool. And it's gone pretty well so far. And I'm thinking to myself, I start to double dare myself. I start to have a conversation with myself. Internally. Do I, yeah, do I go with Heart of a Lion and the Heart of Dixie or don't I? You know, because... What if I stuff it up? You know, like uh, safer just to take her down to the line. She's about a body length in front. And uh, I don't want to be in, say, 20 years' time and my son's in a, he's come back from America and he's uh, in a shopping centre somewhere. They'll still be playing it. Mm. And to bugger up the finish, Howie. Mm. You know, like and I never had that conversation with myself before. Generally, you just did what you did. But I remember that one time with about 20 metres to swim, will I or won't I? And uh, I decided, yes, I would. But uh, I felt really uneasy after the race because I, why am I doing that? Why, why am I arguing with myself? You know, like you should be concentrating exactly on what's happening. But you, you, you could understand the ramifications even at the end of the race when you got it right. Well, it's you not the time un- to be thinking of them, Howie. Yeah, but you can understand the ramifications if you get it wrong. As you say, it's, that's what you've... you've you can't hide in this. They can play it 25 years later and it's like, oh, geez, that bloke stuff. Well, I, I said one thing to Basil too, uh, Basil Zempelis, who was taken over from the swimming, because I couldn't do it anymore. I just found it energy saving. Very good, very good. And uh, I always I said to him, uh, the one thing you got to remember, and, and it, it's hard in swimming sometimes, you've got to look at the board immediately and see where they finish, because if you, with the naked eye, try and work out who finished first, uh, the rule has to be, if there's an Australian there, Go with him. Yeah. Because if the Latvian wins, we'll never see it again. <laughs> yeah, okay. Not here anyway. <laughs> well, in Latvia, they'll have their own blood. Don't worry about <laughs> They've that. They've got a Latvian dentist committee. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, uh, so that, that, that's one thing you can't do at the Olympics is, is even if you think the Australian lost, if it's a tight finish in any event. Yeah. That's good advice. So, so Dan, we, well, is, will the AFL Grand Final in your mind be the last thing you ever call? Uh, I honestly don't know that. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds in Perth. Uh, it'll certainly be, I, I think, the last big-time game I do. It, uh, who knows? Who knows what the future will hold? I, I might potter around in mm. Perth. but uh, we'll do a couple of podcasts. Yeah, although this one has been exceedingly long. Well, we're only, we're only an hour in. An hour? Yeah. <laughs> you wait like... till I start delving, then. Uh, <laughs> Have you got an appointment? Uh, well, the missus probably is wanting to come back can in the room at some th- stage. Can you give me another 20 minutes? Uh, another 20? Yeah. yeah. All right, Howie. Um, 
So you, you walk away from it, and, mm. and this is the bit that really interests me because this is what we had the conversation at the start, that, that my life is lived in five-minute chunks with people I want to speak to because then it's an ad break or it's time to go into something else. So th- mm-hmm. this is the gist of where we are. We've heard about you professionally. So Dean winds it up. What, what are you going to do then? I, my dad retired 10 years ago, and I've never seen him happier. He, he does he, – he, his passions are being fulfilled at the moment um, mm. with – Mums as well, maybe not together. Well, that's, I don't even want to think about those passions, Dan. But so, what are you doing? What, are you, what, what have you got a holiday planned, or are you just going to sit there and listen to music, or what, what's going to what, what are you going to fill your life with, and what, where's the joy going to come from? Uh, well, just relaxing initially. I think it, it sounds trite, but uh, yeah, sort of uh, maybe go overseas for a while. Uh, maybe go and see my son again, although he may be coming home. I'm not sure. He's in America. Uh, Which you love. You love America. Uh, well, less and less. I've been there a lot, and uh, it's uh, not the place I first went to back in the 80s. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I sort of like their sport, and uh, it's an easy place for an Australian to get around. They can't vote Trump in, can they? I'm, well, I'm not a political man, but surely. You wouldn't think so, but it seems yeah, likely. They couldn't. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, choice, the, the, choice, the choices aren't great. You know? No, that, that's the, true. But I mean, you don't need uh, – we're getting quite serious here, but, I mean, you didn't need – three Bushes and you don't need two Clintons. No. I mean, uh, the system seems irrevocably Does broken. Does Trump, Trump a double Clinton though? Like, uh, the, 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 well, oh, I, I only see what I see on the news, Dan. That's as much as I am into politics. But well, what wow. we're getting here, it's come full circle. I mean, we are sort of so much into uh, reality television and the rest of it mm. uh, and, you know, sort of... Uh, being the centre of attention ourselves with the selfies and you know, the things that my generation have a bit of trouble just getting our head around, mm. uh, what we've got here basically has been a reality TV show. I mean, it, it is it is, uh, it, it is like, what was the what, network? Remember Network with Peter Finch? I'm yep. as mad as hell and I'm not going to take any more. Yep. Uh, this, is, this is partly that. You know, it is, it is just... Uh, so hard to comprehend. Not that their politics has ever been brilliant, I don't think. I mean, their politics has been strange to Australians and how long it takes to evolve to get to a president yeah. uh, leaves itself open for this sort of thing. But uh, now the America I first went to is not the America that I go to now. It's a, it's a far different place. Uh, a lot of poverty, um, a lot of things that uh, you didn't expect to find with a massive natural or natural national is the word I'm after, national debt. Mm. You know, I mean, they've got trillions. What is it, 900 trillion, mm. uh, their debt, and they've got such poverty. Well, if you've spent that sort of money, you should have more to show for it. They don't seem to have much to show for it, do they? No, they don't well. seem to have much to show. But still, well-intentioned people, a lot of them. Oh, a lot lovely of, a lot people. Of good people. Within their own country, it's a beautiful place to travel. Yeah. I, you, you find the brash, loud American, for me, is the only outside their country. I think within their country, there couldn't be more hospitable and more friendly, which is obviously what you've experienced. Mm, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I prefer, to be honest, I, if I had my... Uh, time and sort of a choice, I, I would go to Europe. Would you? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's just that my son lives in America. These days I'd right. much prefer to go to Europe. But, uh, you know, Europe is, is perhaps not as safe as it used to be either. So uh, all these things are going to be factored in. Do you consider that? Do you consider that? I haven't until, uh, no. you know, sort of what happened in Brussels recently in Paris. Uh, I haven't been since since those things happened. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, all sorts of risks anyway always have been when you've gone overseas. But uh, these are risks that seem to be mounting. Even when we go to the footy now, um, you know, you get swiped in and you, it's like going through airport security, which is great because we've been protected. But, wow, where is it? 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's horrible that we're in that situation, Dan. It is. It is. Uh, we saw the best of it, Howie, my generation. Yeah. I'm sorry to tell you. Yeah. Well, hopefully someone can turn around. But anyway, I'm not sure we're going to get into the whole... No, we won't do that. We can't save the world yeah, yeah. in an hour and 20 minutes. Well, maybe an hour and 25. We can oh, come on, Howie. No, come on. I don't know. Are you a, would you consider yourself a private person or not? Uh, reasonably so. Yeah, only child. I think that uh, is part of it. Can I, can I ask you about your wife? Oh, yes, yes. So you've been married for... 46 years. 46. This is a, this is a, a cliched question, but um, I've been with my beautiful partner for nine years and uh, it's fantastic. Does it get better and better? Like, how, how do you go for 46 years? Is there, <laughs> I, well, I'm away a lot. Well, <laughs> so if, if you added up the days, it's probably only about... Uh, Two and a half years. <laughs> 35 years. Uh, no, she's... Uh, no, we get on very well. We're sort of... Uh, really a harsh word, you know, sort of. And she brought up the kids because I was always away. She, Velia did a great job. Velia's right. her name. She was the boss's secretary back in uh, back in Perth when I first started in radio at that station 6KY. Right. And in fact, uh, sort of something you don't need to know, I don't want to sound like I'm pimping my wife, but she was she was right into music. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, sort of a lot of the bands used to come in there. And, oh, okay. Uh, there was a band called The Valentines. Right. And their lead singer was Bon Scott, and she was Bon's partner at his 21st. Wow. But uh, they, of course, became what they became. But you... those the, those boys were always hanging around, and, you know, you'd sort of high-five them. Well, we didn't high-five in those days. You just waved. So, so she traded up from Bon Scott to no, that's, you. No. You must have been operating on a serious level in WA then. No, not at all. I mean, Bon was a nobody, you know, in those days. I mean, right. uh, so was I, <laughs> only more so. So is it is it is it a... You know, is, is it a love story? Do you still, you know, what what is, you talk about being away a lot and I'm away a lot from my family and mm. the young kids and I find that difficult and it's a lot easier now because of the modern technology we have and you need a very strong woman at home to be able to deal with not only the kids but the school mums and the dramas and all that type of stuff that comes along mm. with it, don't you, when you're away? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you do feel as though you're not playing your role. Yeah. Uh, but in a way you are, obviously, a material role. Uh, but the kids are great. You know, like I've got a daughter, the eldest. She's four years older than my son, lives in Perth. Uh, and uh, my son I've mentioned. And uh, no, we haven't had any troubles at all. They're just really good people. I love spending time with them. We sort of hang out uh, a couple of times a week when I'm in Perth for meals. Yeah. My daughter and I and uh, my wife. A couple uh, of times a week. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, last time we were in America, we toured with my son. We sort of uh, drove around and... Uh, it was one of the best times I've had, you know, like to, to, to get beyond a certain point where you're still your son, but you're just two men. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's often easier to be friendly with uh, someone of the same age, but mm. not your son, you know, because you've got that history. And uh, What's his name? Uh, Mark. Uh, and, but he, he's got not a... Not hand pass or kick. He's got a, he's got a stage name. He, he's, for people that aren't aware, and I'm not really aware, except that I've read that he, he's, a, he's a wrestler, a professional yes. wrestler, which, uh, wow, what a wonderful occupation. Well, what's he role as when he gets introduced? Uh, Mark Silver. Right, Mark Silver. S I L V A. Yeah, but uh, you know, like he's been he's been trying to crack it for a while over there, and he's going to have to crack it soon because right. I'm retiring. Right, right, right. Uh, but he's he's loved it, and he's had a great experience. He's married, his wife's with him, an Australian girl. So, uh, you got any grandkids or not? Uh, no, right, no, I haven't. Uh, and, and don't at this stage it sounds terrible because so many of my friends do have mm. grandkids and uh, rejoice in them. Uh, I certainly haven't thought about that. It, it hasn't concerned me, but I, I suppose they'll come along soon enough. 
do you worry about the world or you don't think about no, the world? No, your grandparents are going to, your, your grandchildren are going to come in. Like we were talking about going to the footy and stuff. I look at my kids now and I think, wow, I wonder what's going to be happening for them in when they're 25 or 26, what the world's going to be. Do you, do you feel I, I reckon all generations of parents have done that though. I mean, yeah. where we're so lucky when you think about it, I, I think about I, I like those old period dramas, the English ones, you know, where uh, sort of go yeah, back to the 20s and, and sort of... Uh, after the turn of the century. I, I love watching that. And when you think that uh, those people, a lot of them went through two wars, mm. um, we've been very lucky. I mean, we are the fortunate generation. It's taken an interesting turn at the moment, but I would think that uh, we're still the luckiest and just, I suppose, what we hope is that our kids are luckier. Yeah. There's going to be a... Just imagine if you had the chance coming back in... Well, you might still be here, Howie, but say in 60 or 70 years. I don't think I'll be here. You know, you come back and... What will technology be able mm. to do? I mean, medicine, uh, it would be fantastic if we can just keep it on the straight and narrow. Would you come back as Dennis Cometti? Would you be happy to live this life again? Is there a life you look out there and think, wow, if I wasn't doing this, yeah. I would have been liking to do that? Or you? Yeah, well, I, what I would choose to do is come back without the cravat. <laughs> That's all I would do. <laughs> I that like picture it. is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. You know that. Hey, Dan, what I'm going to do... Yes. Um, no, don't bring it up. No, 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 no. we put it on the website. No, no, no. We're, we're talking about our kids, um, and I love my kids. I've got a, a six-year-old called Sky who rolls the names of the pickle and a four-and-a-half-year-old who will only answer to the big penguin. That's all he will answer to. That's his name. <laughs> his name's Mac, but he rolls the big, the big penguin, and I asked them both this morning and uh, to, to, to finish the Howie games, yes. I think we're going to have a question from a children. And yes. So you're getting one from the pickle, okay, not good. from the penguin. You're getting one from the pickle. So I'm going to hold this up next to the microphone. It's not in depth. She's only 16, but this is what she wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Hi, Dan. My question is, do you have a pet? I can sense the correct answer is yes. Well, have you ever or do you or do you not? Uh, well, Pickle, very hard for a man who is never home to have a pet. Like, it'd be cruel to the pet, Pickle. <laughs> I travelled so much not to be there for the pet when the pet needed me, so... The answer is no. Well, that's all right. Oh, because, no, that's fine. Pickle, because she's going to hate me. No, she won't. The big penguin had a question along the lines of, why have you got a funny name like Dennis? But I didn't think that was appropriate when we sit down, sit down here. Hey, Den, um, it's been a treat to sit down and have a chat with you. Um, it's just great to be able to bang on and not be regimented by those five minutes. In yes, the that, I guess. yeah, yeah. I say too much, though, and I talk for too long, so... Uh, yeah. I, the, my only disappointment is, and I only get to sit on the boundary and we work together, that I will never – I don't think I'll ever get to that level, but I'm, can you hang on till they actually somewhere say I can call a game next year? Because that's going to – you know, you, you call cricket with <laughs> Richie Benno. I'd love to call a game of footy with you, but I might have to fly over to Perth and just do it in your lounge room. Yeah, let's do that. Could we do that? We'll just mock one up. All right. <laughs> we'll do that. Can the Hawks beat – who do you go for? Do you have a set team? No, I don't. No, West Perth, my team, the old team. In okay. Perth. Okay. Uh, sort of. Maybe to be the Hawthorne team of the century versus the West Perth team of the century. Ooh, okay. See, well, the, that's a rookie mistake because you're going for a team that you haven't seen. Well, I'm only going to call the Hawks. You can do <laughs> I have the ball all the time. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining us on the uh, Howie Games. It's been mate. a pleasure. Good Cheers. on you. Thank you to Dennis Cometti. Brilliant commentator, brilliant fella. Thanks always to our entire production staff, which is one bloke called MJ, who does a wonderful job getting all this to air. Hope you enjoyed episode five. Please continue to subscribe to the Howie Games. Rate us on iTunes. Tell everyone you know about us. 
because the more people that listen, the more episodes we can do. We'll be back next Thursday with a new episode. Until then, peace out. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.